good to just be in His presence. Amen? It's so good to gather. It's so important to gather. Our, uh, our weeks come and our weeks go, don't they? Days turn into weeks, weeks turn into months. It is June. It is so important to gather. It's so important to get to church. It's so important to spend time in His presence and uh, to encourage each other and to be encouraged. Amen? It is the point of church, and uh, it is a good place to be on a Sunday morning. I, uh, I'm pretending that last week I got very ill. Uh, I'm not pretending about that. Um, not at all. I was very ill. Uh, but I'm pretending that it was just a normal Sunday, that uh, nothing special happened. It was really boring. Just, you know, I'm just trying to block out last week from my uh, from my mind, because Morayfield celebrated their three years, uh, which is super exciting, and I know many of you went out Sunday night. It's awesome, isn't it? God is so good. God is so good. You know, the provision and the leadership team and those uh, keen to plant something and uh, the interest meetings and prayer meetings and the cinema days, the school, and then God just opening a door for a building that had an existing church fit out. I mean, yeah. I talked to some other ministers around and uh, some of my friends who are uh, doing uh, church on Sundays uh, still in cinemas. I went and checked out their churches when, uh, when I was starting and, uh, and now they're still in cinemas and we're in like a building. We've been in a building for a year and we walked into a building that had a church fit out. I mean, Nobody gets that. That's unbelievable. And uh, what, the thing that I love the most is that, you know, the, the church for that region didn't lose a property. City Point moved out and bought another property, and that was going to become vacant and go back on the market just for anyone and everyone, anyone to take. And, um, but we were able to, to step in there and continue running a church from that same facility. I just think God is so good, isn't he? It's awesome, like that the community didn't lose a church, the community gained a church, uh, which I just think is, is fantastic. And uh, the Lord is building His church, and uh, He loves it. He loves building His church. He loves building us up into a beautiful, spotless bride that uh, He is coming for. How good is that? He's coming back for you and I, and uh, He's going to take us. We're going to spend eternity together, which is going to be super exciting. Well, this morning, uh, I want to preach a message that I've entitled, The Narrow Way. The Narrow Way. And uh, I'm going to use a few analogies and illustrations this morning, but I want to start with the concept of the road trip. Who loves a good road trip? I love a good road trip. Some people hate them. They, they just think it's the worst thing. Like, why drive when you can fly like it is 2022, Pastor Joe? What are you doing? But, uh, man, if I can drive... I'll drive. Last year, I took Yvonne on a 6,000-kilometer trip in the middle of winter around Queensland. It was fantastic. I loved it. My favorite thing to do is when I spot a cow, it's so much fun. I wind the window down, and I see how much cow I can talk. And uh, it, it is, it's fun. Like, you got to get it right. you got to move in with the right tone to get the cow to head turn. And uh, if, you can, if you can moo... And, and you definitely don't say moo because cows don't moo. And uh, I, won't, I won't make cow sounds this morning. But I'm good at it. I'm good at making cow sounds. See, you've got you to make the right cow sound to get the head turn. 
Peter's shocked. That was good. That was, that was a good cow sound right there. So something I, uh, I started a couple of years ago, um, I took Ivana to, we flew to New Zealand and uh, then we hired a car and we drove around the South Island of New Zealand. It was awesome. You see so much when you drive. It was fantastic. And um, I started this thing where I'd wind down the window in the busiest intersection or, or, or a street or whatever. And uh, some of you guys know where this one might be going. And I just, I just heckle the locals. I just, I yell out random names, hoping that I'm going to catch someone and I'm going to get their name right. It's like, Steve, 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 Steve. Nah, it's not a Steve. Mary, Mary, Mary. Nah, Mary, the best is when you get it. I got Monique once. Who would have thought? Monique. I mean, you know, I just think of whatever random name comes to my, my head first. I yell it out. Yovana's like sinking into the chair as far as she can go and reversing it and trying to hide. And Man, I nailed it. Actually here uh, in Redcliffe, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was December last year, and uh, we were just coming down to have some time on the, the bay together, and uh, it was near, near one of the... Uh, the park's a pavilion. I think it's being demolished or something. How sad is that? It's a beautiful restaurant and uh, dog-friendly restaurant. I've got to look for all those sorts of things now, having a puppy in my life. And uh, Monique, it was awesome. Went down the window. I see a couple of young ladies walk. Like, Monique, Monique. It was Monique. She's like looking around, absolutely shocked. Who is this crazy redhead man yelling at me out of this car? Like, didn't know me from a bar of soap, but hey, I knew her apparently, Monique. And uh, it is awesome when you can, uh, when you can get it right. The, the worst, one more story, the worst is uh, when you think you know where you're going, but you really don't. My dad is famous for this, famous. We literally call them dad tours. And uh, we'd go on a, on a holiday together as a family and uh, as, you know, me and like our 55-seater coach of siblings in the back and we're like waiting for dad to get us to our destination. He's like, yeah, it's just, it's just around the corner. No, it's not just around the corner, dad. Like he, he doesn't use maps, doesn't use GPSs and uh, does not listen to his wife and get proper directions and because uh, he, he knows where he's going we went past in Melbourne one time, the same mannequin store, about an hour later when he knew where he was going. We are like, Dad, that's the same mannequin store. Like, you can't pull it over us, Dad. Like, of all stores, this weird mannequin store that we saw, and we're all laughing about this mannequin store. It was so funny. And then we're, like, driving around forever looking for our hotel that night in Melbourne. And, uh, and we drive past the same mannequin store. We're like, Dad, it's been 60 minutes. It's the same mannequin store. Like, he, he couldn't hold, hold it over us on that one. Anyways, the narrow way, the narrow way. Let me pray this morning and we'll open up Scripture together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that it is alive, it's active. God, it inspires us, it teaches us, it helps us. So Lord, this morning I pray as we open up your word, God, I pray that we would walk out closer to you. Lord, that we would walk out encouraged this morning by your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said this, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. 
The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. It's the narrow way. Few ever find it, Jesus said. You know, I I like to picture the, the narrow way like this little goat track and uh, dirt road, and you got to try and sort of like find it, and you know it's not very well traveled, and and you, you got to look, you got to search, you got to seek, you got to find, and uh, and then I picture the 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 highway of options with off ramps and like this massive interstate, beautifully constructed and layered, and just the perfect bitumen, no potholes, and it's too easy, it's too good to be true the highway to hell. But Jesus said it's not that way. It's, it's narrow. It's difficult to find. The gate is small and few will ever find it. I'm thankful that Jesus found me. You thankful that Jesus found you? I'm thankful that Jesus finds us and takes us on a journey. I've been on some roads in my life. I'm a, I'm a driver. I like to drive, as you just heard. And uh, there was this one time I was over in the States with one of my brothers and we hired a Dodge Charger. Now, I'm not sure why they lent us out a Dodge Charger being two 20-somethings from Australia on the open road in America with a Dodge Charger under our foot. Probably not wise. Hey, but they did it. So we took it and it was awesome. Man, pedal to the metal in this thing. And we were flooring it up. We went and met our great auntie, uh, Jean, in Arizona, Phoenix. And we'd done a mission trip together in Mexico just prior to that. And, and uh, we thought, you know what, let's hire a car and let's drive up to the Grand Canyon. If you're in America, let's go see the Grand Canyon. And uh, so we're, we're, we're driving along this salt flat. And uh, we got stirred up because we saw all these cars having races we're in a Dodge Charger, so what do you naturally do? How fast can the car go? I mean, it's just, it's only common sense that you would test out the loan car to see how fast you can make it go. And uh, so we did. We put the pedal to the metal. Man, we were screaming along. It was unbelievable. Definitely doing the speed limit. And uh, man, we were hammering along this road. And out of nowhere, the car just starts to rise like this. Now, I'm telling you that probably at, you know, 70 miles an hour on this highway, it was probably perfectly fine. But going three digits along this highway, like, you don't realise that, it, it, that, you know, dips and stuff like that, like, that you can't normally see or feel, well, you can feel it now. And uh, the road's staying down there, and we're sort of staying up here, and uh, we're looking at each other, like, and then all of a sudden, it's just like, boof, boof, like this. Man, we launched that thing. It was so awesome. Now, I don't think the wheels left the bitumen, but my gosh, it felt awesome. Like, have you ever gone up over a rise and come down, and that feeling that you get? There's this perfect spot in Hurston near the hospital. Oh, man. Oh, woo! It's like, you, don't, you can do, take that road at 45 and you'll still get that same feeling. But uh, roads can be some fun. Roads are interesting. Roads can be enjoyable. The journey, you get to see the sights. There's lots of things to do along the way. 
you know, we've all been on a, on, a, on a journey since we were born. It's a journey of life. We've been on a road. Paul says we've been in a race. We're running the race. We're driving the, the journey. We're walking. We're, we're trying to get from birth to eternal life. You and I are all on a journey, and we're on that journey with family. We're on that journey with friends. We're on that journey with Jesus, if we choose to be on that journey with Jesus. You know, the, uh, the Bible is full of moments in people's lives where they were in the middle of their journey, and the journey probably didn't look like what they thought it would look like. I think of Joseph, uh, you know, uh, has a dream, uh, shares it with his dad and brothers, and look, they don't really like the dream, and then, you know what, they don't really like him either, his brothers, and uh, they're out in the fields one day, and they decide to seize the opportunity, and they're contemplating murdering their brother, and the oldest boy, you know, steps in and says, oh, well, instead of doing that, why don't we just sell him, we'll, we'll get some money, and then we'll just, you know, lie to our dad, and tell our dad that some wild animal got him, and you know, then our problem's gone, and we've made a bit of dosh on the side, and also, our brother's blood won't be on our hands. I mean, it, it just seems too good to be true, doesn't it? It's an option that presented itself, and they sell Joseph off into slavery. I think about Joseph on that journey, because it's this first journey he started to travel when he's now alone. He's uh, no longer in the comfort of what he's known. Life certainly has taken a turn for the worse, you could say, and uh, left field, something's come along and interrupted Joseph's perfect little life, and uh, he's now in chains, sold by his brothers into slavery. And I think about the mind of Joseph on this journey, and realizes he's heading towards Egypt, this superpower to be a slave. I think about the thoughts running through his head, God, is, are you for real? Like, God, how, how do I deserve this, God? Where is this coming from? All the thoughts that would have been going through Joseph's mind about why he is in the situation that he's in, not even of his own doing this time. The road to slavery, the road to Potiphar's house after being sold, from Potter's house, the road to jail, an Egyptian jail, spending two years in there. At what point along the journey of Joseph do you think he starts to question God? God, do you, do, are you real? God, do you, do you know what you're doing? God, do you even love me? God, are you a good God? Or is this, is this a joke to you? You're like, God, God, how is this possible? How am I, how am I even here? Imagine the questions that you would start questioning God along the journey when stuff like that starts to take place. But you see, God had a plan for Joseph, didn't he? I believe that Joseph had to go through what he was going through in order to be ready, to be so humbled that he would be ready for the power that that man was going to receive. God was elevating Joseph to a place of not just honor, but of extreme power. You think about it, two I see of Egypt. From a boy in the fields, from the nation of Israel, a people that had no place, to two I see in the superpower of the world with the biggest armies and the greatest structures that the world had ever seen, wearing the ring of Pharaoh, 
the most powerful man in the world. I believe God had to humble that young man to get him ready for what he was going to do. God always knows what he's doing. It just doesn't seem like it in the moment, does it? Sometimes along the journey that you and I are traveling, we start to think, God, you have no idea what you're doing. God, this is ridiculous. I'm in a jail. No one knows I'm here. I've been here for for almost two years. At what point do we give up on God? At what point in the journey do we start to question what God is doing? You know, some roads seem like you're going the wrong way the whole time. And then just at the last minute, God's destination starts to make sense. We realize that God's been there all along. I want to encourage you to see things through the lenses of eternity and your issue, issue will seem to be a little bit more bearable. Your issue will seem to be just that little bit more achievable. Some roads have to be journeyed. We can't avoid them. Some things you and I have to go through them. They grow us. They set us up. They must be endured. They develop us. They develop character within us. And endurance, it produces hope, the scriptures say. There was this time I was out with my, my family, my dad, my older brother. They, they both had four drives and we were out four driving. We went up the Jinka track and we were exploring for the day. Mum had a little newborn and so dad had a work four drive. My older brother had bought one and off we went, me and a whole bunch of the siblings. And we went out and just had fun exploring and had a barbecue lunch together. And on the way home... I'm with my brother, Luke, and Nathan, and uh, Jacob, and we're in his four-wheel drive, and Dad was in the other one with one of my other brothers and my sisters, and we're driving along, and Dad keeps going that way, and uh, all of a sudden, Luke is driving that, his four-wheel drive, and it hits a rut, and then we start going this way, sideways, and then we hit the edge of the, the mountain, and it's like all... The world just stopped and paused in this moment. And our, our full drive just goes like this. I'm freaking out. As you would. I'm freaking out. I'm looking at Luke and I'm like, Luke! Probably should have called Jesus. I didn't. I called Luke. I was scared. Man, it, it was crazy. We're going like this and I'm freaking out. I'm like, we're going to die. We rolled down this steep as mountain five times over and over. The tree we hit was big enough to stop us, but small enough to give. So we didn't hit this thing and just crush us in the car, but it's it the perfect tree. Now, why did we have to go through that? I don't know, but God had the perfect tree there. And made sure that if we were going to go down, we were going to go down under his sovereign hand and under his protection. We're looking around, we're like, you know, adrenaline rushing and we, we start climbing out of the car. And I then realize that I'm cut, my arm, you can look at my scar another time, you can see my bone. Fat hanging out either side of it. I'm cupping blood after blood after blood. It's crazy. No pain. Not one ounce of pain. I think the, the car actually rolled on my arm. So it was so numb. I couldn't feel a thing. It's the grace of God. But the, the glass from the window shattered and cut my wrist. 
we climb up to the top and we get, we get home, we all cram into dad's four drive and we get home and the next day dad's dabbing the bandage off that we'd put on just to see what to, what to do and we're praying and dad's like, God, what do we do? We've never had anything this big to, to deal with, like, how, what do we do, God? And, and I just started bursting out laughing. Just the presence of God hit my body and uh, my arm went all tingly and I'm lying on the bed like this and dad yells out, honey, honey, get the kids, bring them in. They watched it close up in front of their eyes. It's incredible, miracle of God. Everyone got to see it except me. I was so annoyed. Dad's like, no, don't move, don't move, just in case. I'm like, what does that matter? So I want to watch it. I'm like lying down on my pillow like this and they're all, all families watch They literally watched it close up in front of their eye until there's like this tiny little slit and they put two butterfly stereo strips over and I went to school the next day. It was unbelievable. A miracle. God healed my arm. You see, I, I, I could have died. Dad could have lost four boys that day. Like the guy that towed the vehicle out was just shocked and he's like, no one died. And no one's hurt. And no one died. Like, he, he just kept asking, couldn't believe that we were all perfectly fine. I mean, a little bit of an issue with my arm, but uh, he didn't need to know that. It grew my faith. It rocked us for a moment. And, you know, still sometimes when I think about it, it's like, man, it was a traumatic experience. But the grace of God is incredible. The things we can go through and the, the ways that God can show His mighty, wonderful hand in our life is just awesome. The faith I have in God grew in that moment. I knew I could trust Him. I knew that God is my healer. Some roads are there to teach us truths and wisdoms. Roads from other people's lives. You know, so many people beg to make their own mistakes. It's dumb. Like... Honestly, why make your own mistakes? I, I have a personal mentality from a young age. I was like, you know what? If I'm going to make a mistake, I want it to be a brand new mistake. I don't want it to be a mistake that anyone else has ever made. If another human being has made that mistake, I don't want to make that mistake. That's just stupid. Like young people took me, I just want to do it my own way. Or I want to make my own mistakes in life. I'm like, dumb. Like, why don't you learn from the human beings that have gone before you, get some mentors in your life and learn a few things? I mean, come on, society is meant to get smarter, yes? It's just dumb thinking when you want to make your own mistakes. Oh, I want, you know, everyone else got to do it. I want to go do it. Well, that's just dumb. Like, honestly, like, get some people in your life, learn from their mistakes. And if you're going to make a mistake, make it a brand new mistake. A mistake that's so spectacular because no one else has ever made that mistake yet. That's a mistake that I'd be okay with making. So we should be advancing, church. We should be growing and developing. We should be learning from our forefathers. Amen? The Samaritan was a story that Jesus used to teach us who is our neighbor. Who is our neighbor? Transcending race, territorial issues, innate human judgment. You think about it. Seeing the flesh and the humanity and the person standing in front of us for who they are. Made in the image of God. Every single human being on this planet is made in the image of our Jesus. 
made in the image of our beautiful Jesus. We have no right to judge any human being. You did not choose where you were born. No one chose where they were born. Who gets to choose where they're born? No one. You don't choose what country you're born into. You don't choose what religion you were born in. The extremist child over in, over in the Muslim country did not choose to be born into that and indoctrinated into that and grow up thinking that, but yet we judge it like they chose it. And Jesus uses this story of this, of this Samaritan and all these religious people and then the, the guy that should never have stopped stops and helps this Jew. Someone who is beat up and badly hurt. And Jesus says, that is your neighbor. We can learn from other people's journeys, friends. We can, what, from what other people go through, we can learn from their journey. We can ask people, hey, why do you still go to church in 2022? Why do you love Jesus? Why do you choose to respond to his love and to give him your life? Don't judge people with your natural eyes. Judge people the way Jesus judges people. I can tell you your world will get bigger if you open your world up to the humanity around you. Some roads are to humble us. I think about the road home for the prodigal son. You think about that. Some people never make that choice. Some people walk away from the father and they never return. Pride. Pride keeps them from coming back to God. Doesn't matter, their life can be so messed up, but they still hold on to their pride. That, 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 young, that young guy in the story, he's looking at this pig trough and he's thinking, man, my, I could just go home and be a servant, a hired slave in my, my father's estate, and it would be better than what I'm contemplating eating right now. Like, I could just go back and be a hired servant. See, that guy was humbled. He'd squandered it all, wasted away it all, made mistakes, but he didn't let his pride get the better of him. He comes back, and I love the, the, the story. You know the story. The father runs out, embraces his son, and welcomes him back in. That's who God is. God will welcome you and I back in every time. Every time. Don't allow pride to get in the way. And keep you from coming back to God. You think about that. Along that journey, oh, no, 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 he won't accept me. No, keep going, just keep coming, keep coming back to God, keep coming back to God. Every time, keep coming back to God because God will use you again. God will throw you a party. He will love you. You will get more inheritance. You will be used by God. You know, I think about David, King David, losing his firstborn child to Bathsheba after committing adultery with her, murdering her husband, one of his mighty men. I th- how do you come back from that? You know, that, that's like a prodigal son moment right there, if you think about it. He's gone so far away from God, made so many astronomical mistakes. Where do you get at mentally? How do you deal with something like that? How do you come back from that? David, he didn't know what else to do. He just lay prostrate on the ground and just before his father. He said, oh, 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 I can't do anything. I just come back to the father. I just come back to the father. 
Some roads are there to humble us. The Bible says in Jeremiah that the heart of man is the most deceitful thing. It's desperately wicked. In Romans 5, it says where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Come back to God. Come back to God. I believe Jesus shared that story to, to try and get across the heart of the Father. You and I have a journey to travel, a race to run, a life to live. And if we allow God to lead us, our steps can be ordered by the Lord. It was the example of Jesus to only do what the Father told him to do. Jesus walked a lot of roads in his time. Walked from town to town, preaching the good news, doing good. But at the beginning of his journey to the end of his journey... He started walking towards Jerusalem. There's the reason he came. It's his purpose. His purpose to exchange his life for ours. Resolutely started heading towards Jerusalem, knowing that this was the beginning of the end for him. He woke up every morning, putting his feet on the ground, knowing that it's getting closer. The day is coming where I'm going to exchange my life for humanity. The road to Jerusalem would be the same road that he would leave Jerusalem to go up to the cross. On the way, I love it, he stops in the town of Jericho to pick up Zacchaeus. It's like he's, he's journeying up and just anyone he can grab on his way, he's like, hey, come on, come on with me. Let's go, come on, I love you, I want you. Comes into Jericho and, you know, all of the people that he could have met, he chose the sinner of sinners all of the people that he could have met that day. You know, that story, we, we often read it thinking that, you know, Zacchaeus is there pursuing Jesus and he's trying to look over the crowd and he's climbing up the massive sycamore fig tree and he's sitting there in the branches and he's trying to get a glimpse of Jesus. But that story was not about Zacchaeus pursuing Jesus. That story was about Jesus pursuing Zacchaeus. He knew him, called him by name. Luke 19 verse 5, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name Zacchaeus. He said, quickly, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. You know, no one else got a mention in that story. No one else from that town. Not the good people. Not the people who were faithful. Not the ones who had been, you know, following God's law. Not the religious leaders. No, Zacchaeus, the, the chief of sinners. The one that everyone hated in that town. That's the one who Jesus grabbed. That's the one who we have a story to remember. On the way into Jerusalem, Jerusalem was in an uproar. Praise him, praise him, praise him. Check this out, Matthew chapter 21. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And Jesus is in the center of this procession and the people all around him were shouting, praise God for the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This crowd, the city in an uproar, shouting, praise God for the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. On the way out of Jerusalem, 
that same crowd of people. Pilate, Matthew chapter 27, verse 19 to 23, was sitting on the judgment seat. And he gets a little message on his, on his Apple Watch. <laughs> little wifey has an epiphany, has a dream, has a moment, and quickly texts, him, texts his, uh, her husband, Pilate, a little message about Jesus. Scary brain exploding emojis, crying faces, like trying to get the attention of her, of her husband. Don't touch this man. He's a prophet of God. Don't touch this man. Like you ever tried to get the attention of someone when they're about to do something or you need them to like know in the moment, you're buzzing, you're calling and it's like, why do these people have phones? It's like, man, why do you have a, why do you have a phone if you're not contactable? Why do you have a phone on your wrist and I still can't get a hold of you? Now I've got some friends like, oh, unbelievable. It's like, you're trying to contact them and get some communication going. It's like, I know you even have a messaging device on your wrist. Still, leave that innocent man alone. I suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night. Meanwhile, the leading priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. So the governor asked again, which of these two do you want me to release to you? And the crowd shouted back, Barabbas. Pilate responded, then what should I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? And they shouted back, crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded, what crime has he committed? The mob roared even louder, crucify him. This same crowd who is yelling out in uproar, praise him, praise him, praise him taking off their clothes and throwing it on the road and cutting down palm leaves and throwing it on the road. Praise Him. Praise Him. Next minute, crucify Him. Crucify Him. We don't want Him. We want Barabbas. Crucify Him. It's the road that Jesus had to travel. It was the road of the unpopularity for Jesus. It's the narrow road. It's the narrow gate. If you find it, there is only one way to get to eternal life. Jesus is that way. You ever been to the beach? You know, you, you put your towel down and you hide your phone in your one shoe and your, your keys in the other shoe and, you know, just shuffle around as if nothing's going on it's like as if nobody else is doing the same thing three meters down the beach and like you're thinking yeah I'm not leaving anything valuable here and you, you run on down into the beach and you know you get in there and you start enjoying the ocean and you ever looked back up and noticed it's like hang on it's like I was over there now you're over here how did I get here so like I've been standing flat feet come on what's going on it's like the undercurrent you start to drift don't you you start to drift. You knew exactly where you were when you started, but then you looked back and asked, how did I get here? Church, have you drifted? Have you been drifting? Have you wandered away? Have you started to veer off the journey? Can I tell you that some off-ramps are not meant to be taken? It's not greener on the other side. Come on, don't settle. Don't settle where others settle. It's not what you and I are here to do. Jesus put it like this, the seed that fell 
Matthew chapter 13, verse 22, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. Are you who you are today, who you thought you'd be? Are you where you are in life, where you thought you'd be? Have you done what you thought you'd do? Have you drifted from where you wanted to to be, from who you wanted to be? Take stock of where you are today and decide, is this where I want to be? And start to make some decisions in your life and start to get back on the journey that Jesus has laid out before you to run. Start to come back onto the road, the road traveled with Jesus. What footprints are you leaving for your family to follow? What history does your life reveal? Come on, church, we need to live lives that point to Jesus. We need to live lives that walk His ways so that those who follow us are led towards Jesus. Don't get sucked into settling down and putting roots where you were never meant to live. You are not like them. You are not from this place. The Bible says, 1 Peter 2.11, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. Church, is there someone drifting away in your world? Can you see it happening? Grab them by the hand. Grab them by the hand. Pull them back. Don't let them drift away alone. I have a growth challenge for you. Introduce someone to Jesus before the end of the year. Find someone to introduce to Jesus. Because I can promise you that the only thing that they will be upset about is that you did not introduce them to Jesus earlier. They will love you for introducing them to Jesus. Introduce someone to Jesus this year. Get them connected to this church. Get them in your car. Fill those empty seats on on your way to church. Fill these empty seats here on a Sunday morning. Get them baptized. Teach them. Disciple them. Come on, double yourself. Replicate yourself. Grab someone who is drifting and pull them back in. Don't let them walk away. It is life and death, my friend, the journey that you and I travel. It's the narrow road. It's the narrow gate. It's the narrow way. The highway to hell is broad. And this gate is wide for the many who choose that way. Avoid things that pull you away. The worries of life. Avoid the things that allure your soul. The lure of wealth. Is anything worth more than your soul? Jesus is the way. He is our redeemer. I love that story of the lost sheep where where he says that he went after that sheep. He left the 99 and went after that sheep until he found it. Luke 15. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do when he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? Now I think about the road that Jesus took to find that sheep. Until he found it. You imagine what Jesus had to go through to get that sheep. You imagine where Jesus went to find that sheep. You imagine the places that that sheep had wandered. Jesus went until he found it. That's why Galatians chapter 6 says, when when you're bringing someone back, be careful to not fall into the same temptation that they are. 
How can you fall into the same temptation unless you are going to tempting places? I know what Jesus went through. I know what road Jesus travels with you and I. I know the things that we think. I know the things that we do. And Jesus endures it all. He travels that road with you and I until he finds that sheep. And he, he longs to bring that sheep home. Jesus has come and he's found you. What are you doing here, Jesus? Until I find you. Don't go there, Jesus. Don't look there, Jesus. You don't want to see that, Jesus, until I find you. I don't want you to see that, Jesus. This isn't how I saw you finding me, Jesus. I had such big plans, Jesus. I wanted to show you how much I loved you. I wanted to do something with what you gave me, Jesus. I tried to be who you wanted me to be, but I just seemed to keep failing every time. I try to do what is right, but I just seem to do what I don't want to do. Don't be here, Jesus. Not you, Jesus. You can't see me here. You can't see me like this. Come back to God. Jesus is the way. You don't have to find. You don't have to find it on your own. Jesus has done that for you. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Can I get the band to join me, please? Jesus is the only way. He is the narrow gate. He is the narrow way. You have a choice to make. You can choose to run the race with Jesus or you can choose to run it on your own. I want to implore you today to choose Jesus. Choose Jesus. You know, there was a road that Jesus had to travel that no man should have to travel. There was a road that Jesus had to travel that was a journey that we would not want to have put Jesus through, but we put him through it. He came to exchange his life for you and I. The road to the cross from the garden to the temple guards, betrayed, deserted, spat upon, punched and slapped in the face. They jeered him, prophesied Jesus. Who slapped you that time? From the temple guard to the, to the soldiers with Pilate, whipped, beaten, spat upon again, mocked, a crown of thorns woven and pushed into his head. And then it says that they took this stick out of his hand that they gave him to act as a scepter and started to whip him on his head with it. From the soldiers to the road to Golgotha, abused, hung upon the cross, ridiculed and made spectacle for all to see. Misquoted, misrepresented and wrongly judged. He could have called a thousand angels but he didn't. He knew we needed him. He knew we would never make it without him. They laughed at him. They mocked him. But still he chose to go up that road. He did it for you. He did it for me. He did it for humanity. He did it for the whole world. Jesus chose you. Choose Jesus. Choose Jesus every day. 
When you want to give up, choose Jesus. When you want to walk away, choose Jesus. When life throws an issue at you, choose Jesus. When your family gets tough, when your marriage begins to fade, choose Jesus. When work seems in vain, when life seems pointless, choose Jesus. When you've prayed the same prayer over and over and over and heaven seems silent before you, choose Jesus. When you begin to question your faith and quitting becomes a temptation, choose Jesus. When life is easy and you're winning financially, choose Jesus. In your private life and your public life, choose Jesus. Choose Jesus with your time. Choose Jesus with your money. Choose Jesus with your talents. Choose Jesus with your dreams. Choose Jesus with your legacy. Choose Jesus with your friends. Choose Jesus with your family. Come on, is He worth everything? He is worth everything. He has given all of Him for all of you. He wants you to choose Him. Come on, church, would you stand to your feet this morning as I close? Jesus is your answer. Jesus is your freedom. Jesus is your only choice. Jesus is the only choice. Jesus is the only way. There is no other way. He is the narrow gate. He is the narrow way. He is your answer. Come on, can you just worship Him for a moment? Just close your eyes. And just fix your eyes on the face of Jesus this morning. Oh, Jesus, we love You. Jesus, we love You. Jesus, we love You. Jesus, thank You for going to that cross. Thank You, Jesus, this morning for enduring all that You endured, for enduring what You're enduring now in our life. Jesus, we love You. We love You. We love You. Oh, Jesus, we need you. We take you by the hand this morning, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, this morning, those of you in the room that just need to be encouraged, just take Jesus by the hand. Let him take you by the hand this morning. Let him find you. Let him pick you up. Let Him find you, sheep that has wandered off. Let Him find you. Let Him bring you back. Don't let pride get in the way. Humble yourself. Come back to God. He loves you.